this message to wish good luck to each and every wrestler that will be participating next Sunday night, June 26th at Club Soda for part two of round one of the Academy of 2022. Now remember, at the end, there's going to be four winners selected. Each will receive $5,000 and the opportunity to come train with me at the Nightmare Factory for three months. On August 28th, when the winners will be selected, I personally will be there to help choose. So good luck next weekend. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'll see everybody on August 28th. Hello again, my friends. What you just heard there right at the start was a clip of AEW star QT Marshall, who is working in collaboration with the Wrestling Academy Group, an organization put together by legendary Canadian great Jacques Rougeau. I will be actually speaking with Mr. Rougeau tomorrow afternoon, so stay tuned for more details on that. In the meantime, welcome to another edition of the Royal Ramble on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Well, I say beautiful afternoon, but I guess it depends where in the world you are. I guess in some places it may not even be Sunday. But here in Toronto, we are experiencing a beautiful summer, although not always so beautiful in the world of pro wrestling. Now, originally, I was supposed to be joined by one of my loyal listeners as one of the first of hopefully many guest co-hosts from this day forward. Unfortunately, we just couldn't synchronize our schedules this week, but we've set aside a time for next week, so I won't be alone. And neither will you. Not this week, not any week, because at least you have me to keep you company. So we're faced with pretty rare circumstances today, as there are no shows to review or preview, as opposed to the last month or so of episodes. So what is there to talk about? Well, I guess the great thing about the world of pro wrestling or sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it, is that you never really run out of things to say, whether good or bad. I'm going to focus a little bit on the TV this past week and the build to upcoming shows, but of course, we have to start by addressing the elephant in the room, and that's one Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who continues to sink deeper and deeper into the boiling hot water that he's in, centered around the now numerous allegations of sexual misconduct. Latest I heard was that there are now four counts of misconduct against him, and the rumors are circulating that one of these women was a talent released in 2005. I don't think I want to speculate, but I'm sure people would be able to narrow it down by process of elimination. Technically, Vince McMahon didn't do anything, I don't want to say wrong, because it is still very unethical and scandalous, but he technically didn't do anything illegal, as far as we know. And I say as far as we know, because there have yet to be any accusations of assault. From what we know, each of these acts was consensual, but the bigger news is the adultery and the hush-hush money paid to each of these women. More on this developing story in the weeks to come, I'm sure, but I don't think it's out of the question for Vince to step down as the figurehead of the company. He has already handed some of that responsibility over to his daughter Stephanie and son-in-law Triple H, but I don't think he has fully stepped away from day-to-day operations. So it'll be interesting to see how this is handled in the coming weeks. I'm sure as wrestling fans, we may be selfish enough to want him to step down simply if it means improving the overall product, which has been getting weaker and weaker lately. When you look at the SummerSlam card, to me, it doesn't have that SummerSlam feeling yet. It's a very underwhelming card thus far with a very underwhelming build. Roman and Brock are two of the company's biggest stars, so it's understandable that they would be headlining the event. But how many times do we have to see it? They say it's going to be their last time, but who can even say for sure? We may get this match two or three more times this year alone. And even more unimpressive has been the build. I just think it was a lazy way of putting this match together, and it didn't make a lot of sense from a creative standpoint. 
Firstly, Brock lost pretty clean and decisively at Mania, so I don't understand the need for a rematch here. For what purpose? Having said that, I cannot even begin to describe how much I loved the Paul Heyman promo on SmackDown this week. Aside from Reigns and Brock themselves, Heyman is the one that has really made this feud work from day one. His explanation is the only one that has made sense thus far, and he's been doing his best to sell this feud. A much better job than WWE creative, that's for sure. People are already speculating that we may get a theory money in the bank cash-in. Personally, I'm very much opposed to this idea, firstly because we just saw Liv Morgan cash-in a week ago. Well, I guess it would be a month come SummerSlam. So I think they want to keep these cash-ins pretty distant from each other. Also, much like Liv, while there is potential in making Theory into something special, he's not quite there yet, and there is just no believability that he could take either Brock or Roman straight up. And I'm not at all convinced that he could carry the brand in their absence if they were to take some time off. I think it would be premature to have Theory win the title at this point, and a failed cash-in would be just as counterproductive. I do have an idea of how they could do it while keeping each guy's momentum, but I'll get into that when I preview SummerSlam in a couple weeks. But then they also put Theory in a rematch with Lashley for the US title on the show. I had heard rumors of Theory versus Cena. Not that I would buy that match either, but I think it definitely would have been a much bigger match. This is just a rematch from the last show on an event that's already chock full of rematches. I can't quite understand their logic here, but I guess if Cena is off filming a movie, they needed something for Theory to do. Honestly, if they wanted to continue teasing the cash-in, I would probably not have even booked him on the show to begin with. One other thing that I do like is that Drew McIntyre is basically next in line for a shot at either Brock or Roman, and has a history with each guy making it very unpredictable which one of them will emerge victorious. And then McIntyre gets his shot at the Clash at the Castle event in August, basically on his home turf, making the title match that much more compelling, much like CM Punk in Chicago or the Hart Foundation in Calgary. That should be interesting for sure, but I'm not so sure how Sheamus fits into this whole thing. That said, if the plan is to do Sheamus versus Drew at SummerSlam, I don't think I'd have a problem with it, as those two have had some real bangers in recent years and seem to have such natural chemistry in the ring. In storyline, it is a huge step down for Drew, but he's been kind of stuck in limbo for a while until they're finally ready to pull the trigger on him again. At least he hasn't fallen as far down the hill as Kofi Kingston, though. I think if you look at SummerSlam as a single event without thinking about storylines or anything, it does look like a pretty decent show on paper. The Profits versus Usos match last week was tremendous, and I like the ending to set up a rematch. It's one of the few matches heading into the SummerSlam that actually makes sense, and I'd love to see another match between those two teams. It'll be interesting to see who gets appointed as guest referee. I'm thinking it'll be probably either a celebrity like Bad Bunny or someone that the Usos have a history with. Perhaps Rick Boogs makes a return? We'll see how this plays out. I suppose the rematch between Liv and Ronda kind of makes sense as well, but I'm not very excited about that match or either performer at the moment. I've already expressed my extreme displeasure with the way Liv's cash-in was booked, and I thought it was a very premature cash-in to begin with. But hopefully they've learned from their mistake in the Becky feud and eventually make Liv the heel here because I'm not sure that most fans would cheer her over Ronda or even care enough about her to react at this point. I still think she's just keeping Charlotte's title warm for her, but she may even lose it back to Rousey at SummerSlam. I would just book her as a heel where she starts getting intentionally DQ'd or counted out or basically whatever it takes to keep the belt. 
If they want to make her a long-term champion and create a potential star, they firstly need to learn the difference between an underdog and a fluke. And they have to start giving her some clean wins over top talent because there isn't a person in the world who honestly believes that she can take Ronda or Charlotte one-on-one. And I think that's the issue I have with her. If you want someone to be a star, it needs to be believable that they can keep the belt under any circumstances, but Liv is almost like a Kofi Kingston in that regard, where if she loses the belt to just about anybody, I don't think any fan would even bat an eye. The other women's title match has yet to be booked on the show, but the way things have been going, we may be getting another Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch match. Another rematch. I guess it should still be a great match, and pretty much anything is better than Carmella, so I'm fine with it. I just wish they would let Becky do what she wants to do and stop booking her just like everyone else. She doesn't have a lot of momentum right now and seems like just another face on the roster that doesn't mean anything. That needs to change, especially if the plan is still for her against Ronda at Mania next year. AEW has a big show coming up next week as well called Fighter Fest. A lot of huge matches have been booked for the show and it should be a good one, but I'm more looking forward to the build for All Out. I know it's more than a month away, but there are some matches that I think should definitely be saved for then instead of doing the typical AEW thing and giving away these bigger matches for free. If Danielson is cleared by then, I wouldn't mind revisiting the Danielson vs. Sabre match for that show. They also announced the Eddie Kingston vs. Chris Jericho barbed wire match, which I hope is safe for then as well. And then they have the potential Christian Cage vs. Jungle Boy match, which is another one that should be safe for a grander scale. I also wouldn't mind seeing the Bucks against FTR, with FTR trying to add more belts to their growing collection. And then you have this thing with MJF. I would either have him show up at the event as a surprise, or even announce his return at the event. I really like and appreciate how companies like AEW and Impact have been working together to help promote the upcoming ROH pay-per-view, which looks like a good one as well. Anytime the Briscoes and FTR get together, you know you're getting a show-stealer. I just wish the match came together a little more creatively. It didn't make a lot of sense to me that the champs would issue the challenge. I hate that in general, but especially in a case where FTR won the first match between the two teams, so what did they have to prove? There was an interesting development on Rampage this week where ROH world champion Jonathan Gresham turned heel on Lee Moriarty and aligned himself with Tully Blanchard. I think it was probably not a good idea to have Gresham standing right beside Tony Schiavone, as I have a hard time buying anyone as a serious threat when they're that much smaller than an announcer. But I do think Gresham could be another Danielson, where no matter his size, he's still booked as a tough guy, and it's totally believable. AEW already announced that Gresham will be facing Lee Moriarty next week, so now I'm wondering what his title defense will be at the pay-per-view. But I suppose there are any number of possibilities. Personally, I'd love to see Claudio Casagnoli in that spot. The match between Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia for the pure title should be straight fire, and I think these are definitely two young athletes to keep an eye on. I think Yuta in particular has been having a fantastic year, and if this momentum keeps up, he could be a huge star by this time next year. And then you've got Samoa Joe being challenged by Jay Lethal on the card for the ROH television title. It's great to see two ROH veterans on the card, and it should be a killer match as well. Lethal has been awesome on the microphone lately, I guess it's no surprise, he was always good, but only recently got a chance to shine in AEW. Another match that's kind of been teased and I'd love to see is for the ROH women's title with Serena Deeb challenging Mercedes Martinez. 
Serena would be a fine addition to the ROH roster. So there are plenty of good shows coming up, and this looks like a fantastic month for wrestling fans. Regardless of what you're into, there's always something out there for everybody. We now live in a world of options, and it's great. I ended this discussion by chatting ROH, because I'll pick up right where I left off next week with a full preview of Death Before Dishonor, and I'll also be hopefully joined by my first co-host. Stay tuned. Until then, I'll leave you this week as always with an A-B-C-Y-A.